Y'all Show back in Studio One. Good to have you back. Studio One of about a million, I think we've got. Good to be back with you. We're in the captain's chair, set up for a whole new week of y'all programming. If you like the South, you have found the right spot. This is the show where we talk Southern news, Southern sports, Southern food, Southern authors, Southern travel, Southern music, and just about everything else that has to do with this part of the South. Covering 16 states like the Dew Covers Dixie. We are y'all with your host, John Rawl. And we have a lot of news from the South that we're going to get to in just a moment. We also have, before this hour is up on this Monday edition, hashtag hullabaloo. And when we get to hour two, an update from Omaha, we now know which two teams will get it going tonight in the College World Series. It's the Vanderbilt Commodores representing the SEC and a Yankee team, for goodness sakes. The Michigan Wolverines will be playing for the national championship. And we'll have more on that in hour two in our sports review of the weekend. We'll also let you know about golf news and more. And then we'll have the teller of tales from Takapola dropping by. Jerry Short will be on. And there's been some big stories about Takapola area stuff that he's going to have to share. Stories that have hit the national wire. Last week, Joe Biden cited Jim Eastland, the longtime Mississippi U.S. Senator. And he also cited Herman Talmadge of Georgia. And that caused quite a stir in Democratic politics. And Jerry Short is going to weigh in on that. And he's going to keep his political hat on because he's also going to discuss the decision that happened late on Friday, the Curtis Flowers decision in the U.S. Supreme Court. If y'all haven't heard about this, this happened just in the area of Takapola. And Jerry has a direct connection to this case that just got ruled on by the U.S. Supreme Court on Friday. And we'll get Jerry's take on that and so much more. It'll be fun. It'll be history. And there'll be some political banterings going on between Jerry and myself. All that coming up in hour two of today's Y'all Show. If you want to connect to y'all, and I encourage you to do just that, our number is 803-816-1170. Our website is y'all.com. And you also can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Y'all Show. Also, you can check us out on a couple of different streaming apps. We are found at the streaming apps of TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and the Apple Podcast app. All easy to do, all free. All you have to do is find them, search for Y'all Show. And each and every day when we have a new Y'all Show available, it will instantly download to your smartphone or iPad. Pretty great way of keeping up with all things Southern through those routes. That's just one of many, many ways that we're doing our best. You can also can find us on Facebook. Go to y'all.com on Facebook. Each and every day that we have a new show, we will put it right there on the Facebook page of y'all.com. Plus, in addition to having the podcast available on Facebook, we have, oh, so many great stories coming from the staff of y'all.com. I mean, we are doing gangbuster stories that you can learn so much about the South, things that you're not going to find anywhere else from travel to food to sports news and more, all at y'all.com. Check it out. It's worth the follow. Like it on Facebook. All right, let's start out today's news headlines from the South. We've got a lot of stuff to cover, and we still have hashtag hullabaloo to get to in this first hour of today's Monday edition. Well, we'll start out in Shreveport, Louisiana, as police in northern Louisiana say a man has been arrested for shooting and killing a postal worker. The police in Shreveport said that on Saturday, 32-year-old Michael Gentry 
was being held in the city jail on account of second-degree murder. The bond set at $250,000. Authorities say that they believe Gentry shot 52-year-old Antonio Williams as he was bringing mail to the home. Investigators say there does not appear to have been a dispute between the two men prior to the shooting. Williams was shot in his upper body. He was taken to a nearby nearby hospital in North Louisiana, but died a short time later. Shreveport said that the police there, that the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, and the FBI are involved in the investigation. From the looks of it, from the headline, sounds like just cold-blooded murder of a postal worker. Guy coming to your house to deliver mail, and this moron allegedly moron 32 year old michael gentry shoots him down for delivering his mail i mean that's about as low as it gets but unfortunately that's the times that we live in more bad news this coming from the show me state in st louis county missouri a cooperative officer there was shot and killed in the line of duty on sunday officer michael langstorff was dispatched to 6250 page avenue in the city of wellston in st louis county that's just beside the city of st louis for it was dispatched for a person trying to cash a bad check and when he arrived langstorff was shot by the person attempting to cash the bad check officer said that the person had been taken into custody and the firearm recovered investigation ongoing but this officer shot and killed in the line of duty in wellston missouri on Sunday, and we remember the life and keep your his family in your our prayers. Michael Langstorff in St. Louis County, Missouri. A bad story coming from Abbeville, South Carolina, as three people have died in a weekend shooting in that town alongside the Savannah River in the northwest corner of South Carolina. Authorities with the State Law Enforcement Division of South Carolina said three people killed in an apartment complex shooting. And a suspect is being sought. Uh, Abbeville police said they were called to a complex around 3 a.m. on Sunday morning, and they found four people shot. The coroner's office says two of them, a 62-year-old and a 26-year-old, were dead when, our, when the authorities arrived. The other victims taken to the hospital where a 24-year-old later died. Authorities are currently looking for a suspect believed to have been driving a black Mitsubishi Eclipse convertible the name of the suspect not being released at this time, but three dead in Abbeville, South Carolina, in a weekend shooting there. And I could sit here every day and just read story after story of killings. I'm only reading that one because it was three people dead in one shooting in Abbeville, South Carolina. And I don't like reading these kind of stories, but that's unfortunately, again, as I said back to the first story, the times that we live in, unfortunately. Now, the times that we live in include innocent people being killed at work and that's what happened in annapolis maryland in the summer of 2018 and the maryland newspaper where these people were gunned down a gunman killed five people last year the publisher of this newspaper is pushing for a national monument to fallen journalists tribune publishing chairman david dreyer announced on sunday that a bipartisan group of lawmakers will introduce legislation this week to establish the fallen journalists memorial in washington dc Dreyer says a new foundation has been created to oversee the design and construction of the memorial, and the Annenberg Foundation and the Faro Foundation have provided initial funding. The foundation would honor journalists who sacrificed their lives in the name of a free press. Now, as a guy with a journalism background myself, I know that a lot of people have died in the line of their duty. It may not be the same as serving in the country with a uniform on, 
but you can go back to the war correspondents in World War II that did have a, a pseudo uniform on, and they were on the same aircraft carriers and going in to the battles just like the soldiers with weapons, and a lot of them were killed. I mean, you can go back to Beetle Bailey, the the uh, cartoonist, was it? It was killed in the line of battle in Italy, I think is where he was killed. And he was a cartoonist. But you have other people who've died in line of duty. You have journalists who've been taken captive and killed. And, and that's happened more often than it should have, all trying to serve their role as the fourth estate, as we are the watchdogs of government, those of us who work in journalism. And I know the Y'all Show may not win an award for amazing journalism anytime soon, but we have our own unique spin here, and we hope that we never – are injured in the line of duty but perhaps if that happens we will be included on this forthcoming memorial if it does come to fruition but good luck on the fallen journalists memorial in washington dc because of our country and the way it was founded journalism does have a very important role watchdog of government and at a time where people are attacking the media sometimes rightfully so there are people in the media who do, who do get hurt, who do get killed, who do innocently lose their life, just like in Annapolis last year, for no reason at all. And so I think that memorial would be a, a good touch, and I'm looking forward to maybe promoting how you can help contribute to it whenever they move a little bit further down the road with the effort. A Confederate flag will not rise at the South Carolina State House on July 10th. Now, that is the day that each year, the last few years, the South Carolina Secessionist Party has gathered on the grounds of the State House in Columbia to raise a temporary flagpole with a Confederate flag on it to mark the day on July 10th of 2015 that Nikki Haley led the effort to take down the Confederate flag on the grounds of the South Carolina State House. But this year, the South Carolina Secessionist Party evidently has splintered, and another group called Showing Up for Racial Justice Columbia is taking the permit used on that day from the secessionist party and there will not be a confederate flag raised on a temporary pole which i'll be honest i like the confederate flag the way it was prior to 2015's i think unjust removal i think it was pretty much south Carolina held at gunpoint by nikki haley and i know this followed a terrible tragedy in charleston but if you'll go back and look at the footage Boy, the media just, they didn't go to Charleston where the massacre happened. They went to Columbia, to the state capitol, all because there was one Confederate flag flying on the state house grounds in Columbia, South Carolina. Had nothing to do with a tragedy that happened two hours away in Charleston. But for whatever reason, the national media and Nikki Haley, then governor of South Carolina, seized on this to do this token of, I don't know what it was for, and I don't know if it's made any difference. I don't think it has. It's been a big lie because they were told that if you take the flag down, they're going to put it up on a big giant display at the Confederate Museum down the street, which they do have to their credit. But this thing, I think, just recently got unveiled in a very, very minor league display compared to what was promised in the state law. And it's just been one fiasco created again. I think if you want me to throw a little opinion out here, I think Nikki Haley sees the opportunity of this tragedy to promote her own cause, to try to further her effort to become the first female president of the United States. And I'm not the only one saying that. It's, it's, I mean, look, 
there's no doubt she used this to her own advantage. There was not one time that there's an article or a story about her that they don't throw in her effort to, again, I would say almost force South Carolina's legislature to make this change happen. And here we have, sadly, the people who are for the flag aren't very organized, as in the case of the South Carolina Secessionist Party. And look, no matter my original point was, when these folks have gathered at the Statehouse Grounds in Columbia each year to protest, it's been a handful of them. It's been 105 degrees in Columbia. They're on a, they got the flag on a really terrible looking PVC pipe. And it just doesn't look as sharp as it did when it was flying in a more official capacity prior to Nikki Haley's forced removal of the Confederate flag and the lie that it was supposed to be honored appropriately down the street, which it really hasn't been. That's my rub. That's why I'm angry. And I'm also angry that they tried to tie this flag to a tragedy, a a tragic killing, which, by the way, we just celebrated last week, I think it was, the four-year anniversary of the Emanuel Church shooting in Charleston, South Carolina. And again, another senseless killing by a knucklehead who, unfortunately, he did not kill himself. And I I know that's a terrible thing to say. He actually tried to. He was going to. He ran out of bullets. I mean, what a knucklehead. This is Roof we're talking about. Yes, uh, that's that's what happened with him. And, And so these good folks of South Carolina have to keep him alive until he's evidently going to be executed one day, perhaps. But this is, of course, the way it is everywhere. These people who sit on death row that are, I mean, there's no doubt Dylan Roof did this, and he should be executed. But he should have saved, helped us all out by doing what he actually meant to do. And I know that's not very Christian, but look, he took out nine people, innocent people's lives in a church, for goodness sake. All right. Well, anyway, because of that, South Carolina's, politicians except for a handful just succumb to the pressure and remove the flag that was put there as a compromise in fact if you know anything about it the man that was killed the, the preacher pinkney there in charleston he actually voted for the flag to be where it was in front of south carolina as a compromise then in 2001 i think to put the first american black american statue on state house grounds in columbia which you've probably never even heard of that thing but it's there and it's a great thing, but you never hear about it. All you heard about was the flag, that awful flag. And there's a very proud monument of black history on South Carolina State House grounds that I don't think any other state has. Or if they have, I don't know about it. Okay, speaking of blacks and history and flags, this is a little bit different, but a very good thing. In Atlanta, it's going to be the home of a new Civil War flag that was for black soldiers. It's the 127th Regiment United States Colored Troops Battle Flag, and it was sold at auction at the Atlanta History Center. And the We Will Prove Ourselves Men motto that's on the inscription of this flag, it offers a sense of what it was at stake for black men, many of whom formerly slaves themselves, and they fought to help end the Civil War, which in turn ended slavery. And it's a flag that was painted by a black artist in philadelphia six feet wide by more than four feet tall and it's now going in a collection of the atlanta history center and it represents the most expensive artifact the center has acquired and it shows a black soldier carrying a rifle and bidding goodbye to a white figure dressed as columbia representing the u.s according to the history center at least 
180,000 black troops served in the U.S. Colored Troops, a branch of the U.S. Army formed after the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863, and the center bid on the flag at an auction this month. And the History Center, which, by the way, has 11,000 items in its Civil War collection, which is one of the largest in the nation, has many artifacts of the Civil War. Atlanta, of course, the scene of a very deadly, deadly war uh, battle there in 1864. The price at auction for this flag was $160,000 plus a 36800 buyer's premium. Again, the highest price paid for an artifact by the History Center. And the 127th served during the U.S. siege of Petersburg, Virginia, and they were present during the surrender at Appomattox Courthouse in April of 1865. So you see this beautiful flag on display, again, for the 127th Regiment of U.S. Colored Troops and this flag on display in Atlanta. And I will have to say to our friends from the 19th century, they didn't have Chinese manufacturing produce their battle flags. They didn't have some machine produce their flags. This stuff was done by hand beautiful that's one reason i like flags and one reason i talk about flags from time to time they are truly representatives of who we are and especially the flags from the old days meaning before machinery this stuff was all done by hand and this flag is a work of art and it went into battle and people died protecting this flag and others and and some of these flags have bullet holes and the such on there and I think it's just a, a great thing this center was able to acquire it and it's on display. And I encourage you to go to any of your local mis- museums or history centers and look at the array of flags from both the North and the South and any of our other conflicts and see the amazing work and the amazing sacrifice by our veterans and heroes of yesteryear. Now to the Plains of Auburn, where the nickname there, War Eagle, actually comes from the Civil War. And the president of Auburn University is out after extensive discussions about the university's leadership. Stephen Leith, who had been president for only two years, he's out as the president of Auburn University. A statement from the president pro tem of Auburn's university board, Wayne T. Smith, said, Dr. Leith arrived with vision and enthusiasm to take Auburn to the next level. We're grateful for his dedication and commitment as Auburn made strides as a world-class public university. We wish Steve and Janet all the best. And Smith went on to say that the board would meet soon to discuss an interim replacement for Leith. And that, a little strange, two years on the job. He arrived in Auburn where he had been president at Iowa State prior to going to Auburn. And he is out after two years at Auburn. I guess... Maybe they're blaming Gus Malzahn's lack of a great bowl game or a championship on the president of Auburn. I don't know. Two years seems a mighty short time to be the head of any major university as Auburn is. We have more y'all headlines coming up. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Celebrate Sizzling Sprint Weekend with amazing savings at your local Sprint store June 28th, 29th, and 30th. Now for a limited time, when you switch to Sprint, we'll cover your switching fees up to $650 per line with a prepaid MasterCard. That's right, up to $650 per line. It's our way of giving you a clean slate so you can make the switch to Sprint. Plus, 
this weekend only. When you switch to Sprint, you'll get $100 via prepaid MasterCard for each new phone you lease. The more lines you switch, the more savings you'll get. There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint. Stop by your local Sprint store during Sizzling Sprint Weekend, June 28th, 29th, and 30th to learn more and check out other great deals. Less required phone trading credit provided online registration and new phone activation. Amount based on early termination fee charge or remaining phone balance. Requires port online registration and 60 days of service before card ships. Card terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Member FDIC. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. And now for an important announcement. Do you or does someone you know sweat the bed? Do you ever wake up feeling like you've been sleeping on a slip and slide? Sweating the bed is a serious but common problem that affects your sleep, health, and happiness. Plus, it's just plain gross. But it's not you. It's your mattress. Fortunately, there is a cure. It's called Purple. Purple is the only mattress with a scientifically engineered smart comfort grid. This patented technology is designed to let air flow freely so you sleep cool. Side effects of sleeping on Purple include sleeping better, feeling better, and, well, honestly, smelling better. Try the Purple mattress risk-free for 100 nights and never sweat the bed again. Now you can pick your own free product with mattress purchase by texting TRY to 84888. Become a Purple VIP and be the first to know about deals by texting TRY to 84888. That's T-R-Y to 84888. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Y'all talk with a Southern accent, and we want to hear your accent. Text or call 803-816-1170 with a question or a comment. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Y'all Show. Make sure to like the Y'all.com Facebook page and bookmark the website, Y'all.com, which has bunches of great Southern reads. And get the on-demand editions at iTunes Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and the iHeartRadio apps. Now back to the Y'all Show with your host, John Rawl. We appreciate that. Yes, you can catch us all those different ways, and we'd love to hear from you. Are you ready as we continue our headlines across the South here on this Monday to have kind of an eerie story? Well, we have one that I think would be labeled that for two reasons. A South Carolina man has been reunited with his prosthetic ear that he lost near Holmes Beach, Florida. Now, this is in the Sarasota area along the Gulf Coast of Florida. And this man from Beaufort, South Carolina, has been reunited with his ear that he lost near Holmes Beach. And earlier this week, the Holmes Beach Police Department posted a photo of the prosthetic ear that was found on the beach in the hopes of finding just who it belonged to. 
And Merritt Yeager says that he was on vacation this month and he decided to go for a swim off Anna Marie Island while he and his wife were in the water. Yeager says his prosthetic ear fell into the water. And his wife, he said, she heard him say, oh, no. She saw it bobbling in the surf for a moment, almost had it, but the water took it away. And the ear is very easy to wear, but it also it's very easy to lose. And this man was able to get that ear back, which I'm sure it was fitted and a very expensive ear. But when you go swimming, even with a prosthetic ear, you might want to take it off in the sand and surf, especially of the Gulf Coast. And I can tell you from firsthand, I have not lost a ear in the Gulf of Mexico, but I have lost a very expensive pair of Oakley sunglasses or Costa Del Mar. That's who it was. It wasn't Oakley. Costa Del Mar from by the way, Florida, a Florida company, Costa Del Mar. But I was literally in about one foot of water, maybe. I was sitting on my buttocks, and I just kind of got knocked over by a very small wave, of which most waves in the Gulf are fairly small. And I wasn't in the water but a millisecond, and my glasses fell off. And by the time I could reach down to pick them up, they were gone. So even though you might be in ankle-high water, it's very easy to lose stuff in the surf of the Gulf and probably the Atlantic, too. And luckily for Beaufort's Merritt Yeager, he was able to get his ear back. I don't know if it works or not. Eh? Hey, hey, Merritt, can you can you hear us here? <laughs> but luckily, he got it back. That's the good news. And luckily, some stingray or some other aquatic life of the Gulf didn't chew on his ear, his prosthetic ear, at least, and spit it back up or something like that all right this is news coming from the lone star state no real surprise here i think most people who follow demographics could have said oh yeah told you so but it looks like hispanics are set to replace whites as the largest group in texas by the year 2022 less than four years away hispanics poised to become the largest segment of texas's population and the figures which were just reported by the texas tribune shows that 1.9 million latinos moved to Texas from 2010 to 2018, more than whites, blacks, and Asians combined. Carlos Flores, he's the only Latino member of the Fort Worth City Council, said, surprising in one sense, not so surprising in the other. Again, we've kind of seen this going for decades now, but in 2018, nine Hispanics moved to Texas for every white person, according to the Tribune, and Hispanics ready to become the largest group in the Lone Star State. They're, they're already the largest group in maybe other states. I don't know if they're the largest group in California. I think they might be. I wonder if Texas will become the first state or maybe more than two or three. I don't know how they consider New Mexico, if you consider native New Mexicans Hispanic or not. A lot of them have American Indian heritage, but Texas is going to be Hispanic in just a few years officially according to this latest report out another south carolinian in the news sadly though 99 year old pilot robert friend has died according to his daughter karen friend crumlick her father died friday at a southern california hospital he was born in south carolina in february of 1920 and he flew 142 combat missions in world war ii as part of the famed pilots trained at alabama's tuskegee institute and the program was created after the NAACP began challenging policies barring black people from flying 
military aircraft. He went on to serve 28 years in the Air Force, which included not only World War II, but service in the Korean and Vietnam Wars. He also worked on space launch vehicles and served as Foreign Technology Program Director before retiring as a Lieutenant Colonel and forming his own aerospace company. A real American hero, Robert Friend, a South Carolinian dying in California at the age of 99. Another passage to tell you, this comes from the Crescent City, as Manuel Randozo Sr., the last surviving co-creator of the Randazzo King Cake, has died at the age of 91. His death was announced by the family business's Facebook page, and he co-created this King Cake. If you know anything about Mardi Gras, you know about King Cakes and New Orleans Morning Loss. He was the last surviving co-creator of the Randazzo Recipe, and he created the recipe with his brothers, Lawrence and Tony, and their father, Sam, when the Metairie Bakery opened back in 1965. And the services will be held uh, this weekend. Again, the passage of King Cake, King Daddy, I guess you could say, Manuel Randazzo Sr. from Metairie in New Orleans, Louisiana. More Louisiana news. The mayor of Shreveport has apologized for the way the late singer Sam Cooke was treated during a visit to Shreveport back in 1963. The singer came to the Municipal Auditorium in 1963 for a concert. He had a reservation at the Holiday Inn, but his wife and others were turned away and that Cooke and three others in the group were eventually arrested. The station of that reported this the TV station KSLA says that an author, Peter Garlandnik, has authored a biography of Cook, who wrote that the incident helped inspire Cook's civil rights anthem, A Change Is Gonna Come. Shreveport City Mayor Andrian Perkins apologized Saturday night during a music festival to Cook, who died just a year later in 1964. And at this festival, his daughter Carla performed. Great story. Great, great turnaround there for Shreveport, Louisiana. A sheriff in Georgia has stepped in after 140 people skipped jury duty. The sheriff says he, he had to get involved when nearly three-fourths of the people summoned for jury duty in his county failed to show up for court. And Lawrence County, this is Dublin, Georgia we're talking about, faced a small crisis when only 60 people out of, again, roughly, what was that, 240, showed up. And the sheriff, Larry Dean, had deputies make calls to the no-shows. He also used the department's Facebook page to warn that a judge could have absent prospective jurors arrested. Enough people are needed, and that's why the sheriff went out of his way to get them to show up. Stepping in after 140 people skipped jury duty. Don't do that. That's your civic duty here in our country. And finally, hey, if you got a kid about to go to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg this fall and you're worried about their dorm maybe being out might be outdated or not enough air conditioning and such, you'd rather have them in a holiday inn. Well, you're in luck. It looks like Virginia Tech will house about 200 students at a holiday inn near its Blackbird campus this fall. A surge in enrollment for the 2019-2020 year left administrators scrambling for alternative housing. You can't really build a dorm in about three months. And the school's expected to take in about a 1,000 more students than the 6,600 freshmen it had originally anticipated. And to help out, a deal struck with the Holiday Inn Express Hotel on Plantation Road. And the 195-bed hotel will operate just as a residence hall on campus does and will be closed to the public for the duration of the school year. So make your booking at another Holiday Inn in Blacksburg because the one on Plantation Road is going to be Virginia Tech 
hotel style. I'd like to go to a dorm party there. And maybe maybe they even have a pool there. I wonder if they offer a hot breakfast in the morning. Go Hokies, hokey, hokey, high. Well, that hokey, hokey holiday in. When we come back on, y'all, we've got a quick version of hashtag hullabaloo to pass along. You don't want to miss it. Some information about trains and more. It's coming up next on y'all. I can't believe it. That Philip brought his little brother on our mission into orbit. How long until we get there? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? No, 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 Don't touch that. Believe it. GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. Right now, you can get 500 business cards personalized the way you want them, starting at just $9.99. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So own the now with 500 custom business cards, starting at $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 3232. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 3232. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. And now for an important announcement. Do you or does someone you know sweat the bed? Do you ever wake up feeling like you've been sleeping on a slip and slide? Sweating the bed is a serious but common problem that affects your sleep, health, and happiness. Plus, it's just plain gross. But it's not you. It's your mattress. Fortunately, there is a cure. It's called Purple. Purple is the only mattress with a scientifically engineered smart comfort grid. This patented technology is designed to let air flow freely, so you sleep cool. Side effects of sleeping on Purple include sleeping better, feeling better, and, well, honestly, smelling better. Try the Purple mattress risk-free for 100 nights and never sweat the bed again. Now you can pick your own free product with mattress purchase by texting TRY to 84888. Become a Purple VIP and be the first to know about deals by texting TRY to 84888. That's T-R-Y to 84888. Hashtag Hello Blue on the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent with John Rawl getting our week going. And let's go to the lookout city of Chattanooga as we start our hashtag Hello Blue because Andy Fletcher is on Twitter with at Custom Trains, the Twitter account. And he is a railroad artist, an advocate for railroads and trains, and postmaster at the Twitter account at the underscore RPO. And Andy put on Twitter, Meeting the king of Southern Steam Restoration, Al Phillips, in 2010 at the TV Rails Soul Shops. This photo taken when the Southern 630 was being restored and the restoration of the 4501 was still a dream. Big thanks to Robert J. Duncan Sr. for making the visit possible. And what he's discussing here is the website you can go to is 
tvrail.com. That's the Tennessee Valley Railroad. And they have trains, and I've done this. It's been many years, but I've actually ridden on some of the historic trains around the Chattanooga area, trains like the Somerville Steam Special. They also have the Missionary Ridge Local and more. And it's if you like trains, and if you haven't been to the Tennessee Valley Railroad in Chattanooga, Tennessee, you're missing out on seeing the Copper Hill Special and more. And they go off. I mean, they literally leave out of the station and go on short little trips, but well worth it. Great for the family. Great for history buffs. As Chattanooga really has been a trail mecca in our nation's history. The Charleston and Memphis Railroad went right through Chattanooga, which helped push our country westward. And then you had routes going to a place that ended up being called Atlanta to the south of Chattanooga. So all of our and involve people in trains and the history of the south if you know anything about trains this is the best in my opinion because i've been there and i've been on that train you can call me casey jones i've been on the train not in jackson tennessee but in chattanooga tennessee and i've been on trains like missionary ridge local and it's just really neat to see those steam engines working and you can go out there and you can go to tvrail.com to see the calendar learn about the rides and plan your trip especially here in the summertime you want to do something a little different i encourage you to go to the lookout city and check out the tennessee valley railroad thank you andy fletcher for giving us a tip here on today's hashtag hullabaloo page is on twitter and i love her handle on twitter and kind of a inspiration from the bible from the good book her twitter account is then page said (laughs) first page chapter two at then page said and she puts on twitter this week not to toot my own horn or anything toot toot but i just made grits without measuring anything but rather eyeballing all ingredients is this it am i a true southern woman now have i ascended hashtag southern hashtag grits yeah you've done it you've done it girl page at then page said yeah that's something i'm scared still scared to do thankfully i'm more of the instant grit type call me to modern day i guess but at least on the instant grit type packages they have the little measuring thing that you can do and you usually get it just about right just about perfect but i tell you it can't be that hard to to measure grits without cheaters like what i do with my little instant grit package that oatmeal also has but if you can do it perfectly every time and then you can blend in the right amount of butter and or cheese if you want to make cheese grits then you can toot toot that horn all you want then page said but congratulations you're certainly on your way to becoming a true southern woman if you're not there already way to go page and now to a crazy hashtag color blue tweet from mary harding yeah she's back the noted wilco fan and topo chico enthusiast at meh957 on twitter and mary harding writes some of my favorite childhood memories were at waffle house my aunt my mom always took me there for breakfast on the weekends and would play songs on the jukebox well mary harding thank you for that and you had me thinking you know, I, I've seen the jukebox. I've seen the Waffle House songs on that jukebox. But I'll be honest, I don't have those songs memorized. So thanks to Mary Harden on Twitter, let me go to southernliving.com for an article written by Melissa Locker. 
and read some of the highlights of this article called the 10 best songs you'll hear at waffle house okay so next time you're at the waffle house and you've got a couple of extra quarters and you want to pop it in the jukebox are y'all ready for the 10 best songs you'll hear at waffle house according to southern living not y'all this is what our competition's putting out there but i'll i'll yield to them on this great waffle house research special lady at the waffle house jerry buckner performed what may be the finest song to appear on the waffle house jukebox it tells the tale of a special kind of love that can occur between a diner and server over a plate of smothered and scattered hash browns <laughs> again this one's called special lady at the waffle house kind of a love song and by jerry buckner i wonder where jerry is if jerry's still with us or if jerry had too many scattered hash browns and he had a little coronary issue decades ago we'd like to know the sequel to that that's just one of the 10 songs on here another song waffle house for you and me this is a track by jeanne and it's a smooth r&b jam that pairs perfectly with peanut butter waffles so it's not just kind of country bluegrass stuff on the jukebox at waffle house it's got a little mixture of everything including waffle house for you and me amen now you got a song out uh kind of a bluegrass theme waffle house steaks performed by northwest territory it's a ode to the busy trade in t-bones that takes place between the welcoming yellow sign the company is one of the largest purveyors of t-bone steaks in the entire world so they deserve a theme song according to southernliving.com northwest territory waffle house steaks a bluegrass tribute is one of your waffle house songs again you're not going to find this on sean hannity rush limbaugh or or msnbc only y'all will go through the 10 best waffle house songs waffle house family is another one for you to go check out it's by mary welch rogers who was the wife of the founder of waffle house joe rogers senior so it's like a royal song being played from performed by mary welch rogers then wife of waffle house founder joe rogers senior who's passed away and what an awesome song waffle house family sung by a member of the waffle house family up next is waffle house sturgill simpson he's a country singer i've heard of sturgill simpson he is got a song that is quite good called simply waffle house no shoes no shirt no knuckleheads after their success with waffle house sturgill simpson decided to write another song for his favorite waffle purveyor he premiered this on the late show with charleston south Carolina's on stephen colbert and it became an immediate hit no shoes no shirt no knuckleheads i don't know if that's really on the jukebox at waffle houses or not eddie middleton performed an inspired ode that pays tribute to both waffles and those kinder gentler happy days of the 1950s with his song waffle doo-wop eddie middleton see they got something all over the place danny jones now if you're sitting there saying i don't know who any of these people are other than sturgill simpson most of these are complete unknown people who just happen to sing about waffle house and they got a jukebox and waffle house that puts their song on the jukebox there in the store raisins in my toast is one of the jukebox favorites at waffle house and it's a ripoff of frankie valley's sherry and it goes great with your breakfast danny jones bert is a song out there that you can check out too 
and it is inspired by Burt's Chili, and it's been there, that chili, since longtime employee Burt Thornton created the recipe, and there's a song, The Burt Video Waffle House. <laughs> All right there, if you want to check it out, Southern Living's got the article. Waffle House has the songs and the hash browns and the Burt's Chili and more. What an awesome place, and I am in the mood for Waffle House right now. Well, we'll turn the page to one more tweet here. This from Bibiana Crawl Wildheart at Bibiana One Crawl, a novelist, a traveler, and a mom. And she puts on Twitter this week, my apology if I've missed notifications. My Wi-Fi has been acting up since the last insane thunderstorm. Not paranormal activity, just bad internet service. The joys of Southern life. Hush puppies, slow customer service, and a real way from a stranger on the road. Well, it sounds like you're having a little problem here. Bibiana Crawl on Twitter. She puts a, a image up that I don't think she made. She just kind of copied and pasted it. It's a video of a ghost in a kitchen. It may be from a movie or a TV show. Not sure. But yeah, you're talking about the joys of Southern life, hush puppies. Now, of course, that is something to be joyous about. Who doesn't like hush puppies? Slow customer service. Well, that gets a little annoying at times, but a lot of times those customer service agents aren't even in the South or aren't even in this country. So I'm not going to pick on you or, or pick on the South for that. Now, here's the other thing I got a problem with. You don't like a real wave from a stranger on the road. You don't like the little finger on the dashboard or on the steering wheel wave. That's That shows that you're really one of us when you can get to that point. So, Bibiana, you might need to, to calm down a little bit, or if you're not from down the South and you're you're just picking on us, um, that's not very Southern of you, okay? Let, let's, let's be nice. Let's all play nice here. <laughs> and let's all play nice because the Y'all Show is not over with. We have finished hour one today. We've got a whole nother hour. Bibiana, you ought to be excited about this. I'm doing a little steering wheel wave, the little two-finger wave at you right now. Because when we come back in hour two, we'll take a look back at the weekend in sports. And then Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Takapola Way. He's got some big time stories that were in the national news the last few days. It was all over the Sunday news. Joe Biden said something about a former Mississippi and Georgia U.S. Senator. And we'll talk about that with Jerry. And also late Friday, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled on something that Jerry Short, our own Jerry Short, actually has knowledge about, was sort of indirectly a part of. And we'll find out what that's all about when the Y'all Show continues in hour two. We hope you stick around. Celebrate Sizzling Sprint Weekend with amazing savings. Now, for a limited time, when you switch to Sprint, we'll cover your switching fees up to $650 per line with a prepaid MasterCard. That's right, up to $650 per line. It's our way of giving you a clean slate so you can make the switch to Sprint. Plus, for a limited time, you can pick up an iPad on us when you lease a new iPhone. It's an unrivaled pair. Get both and save big when you switch to Sprint. Stop by your local Sprint store during Sizzling Sprint Weekend, June 28th, 29th, and 30th to learn more. That's June 28th, 29th, and 30th at Sprint. 
Less required phone trading credit provided after online registration and new phone activation. Amount based on early termination fee charge or remaining phone balance. Card terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Member FDIC. iPad 6 Gen 32 gigabyte zero dollars per month after 1917 monthly credit for 24 months. Credit apply within two bills. Requires new line on qualifying plan. If you cancel early, remaining balance due. Tax due at sale. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. Right now, you can get 500 business cards personalized the way you want them, starting at just $9.99. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So own the now with 500 custom business cards starting at $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 3232. That's Vistaprint.com promo code 3232. When tracking the domestic dust bunny, you commonly find them hiding under wardrobes next to lost socks. Don't move too suddenly or they'll scurry off. What's utterly fascinating about the dust bunny is that although they are not actually sentient creatures, when they hear that Geico not only saves people money, but also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating, it's obvious to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Oh no, it's the dust bunny's only natural predator. Run along, dust bunnies, run along. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, couch purring, bed leaping, and of course, companionship. Wonderful. And what breed would you say Nico is? I'd have to go with a tabbyish Persian kind of mix. Tremendous cat. I'd also like to point out her coat's wonderful mix of colors. Is it black, gray, gray, black, brown? Somewhere in between. Indeed. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute in her indifference to commands. A strong-willed feline. Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. It's the Y'all Show, the second hour as we start a whole new week of the program that's all about the South. We've got the teller of tales from Takapola Way, Jerry Short, standing by for a scintillating conversation that you don't want to miss out on. And that's coming up in just a few minutes. Hey, if you want to reach us, our number is 803-816-1170. And on the web, we are at y'all.com. We start our sports recap. If you were busy over the weekend, I know I was all over the South traveling the last few days, but maybe you didn't have a chance to sit back and watch television or read the newspaper. Well, here in the sports recap of the weekend on y'all on Mondays, we kind of let you know what you might have missed. And congratulations to a Kansan, but we'll go ahead and kind of sort of claim him because he's a good golfer. Chaz Reeby, he picked up his first victory on the PGA Tour in 11 years as he won the Travelers Championship in Connecticut on Sunday. He picked up a $1.3 million paycheck for his effort, and that was, uh, he was 17 under four shots better than a great golfer from the Northeast, Keegan Bradley. 
and Ches Reavy with a big win there in Cromwell, Connecticut at TPC River Highlands. The PGA Tour continues on as they march toward the British Open here in a couple of weeks. What's next for the PGA Tour? It's the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And that takes place this weekend. Then you've got the 3M Open on July 4th through the 7th. The John Deere Classic up in Illinois, July 11th through the 14th. And then it's the Open Championship, July 18th through the 21st. Now, for the golfers who don't make it across the pond, you'll have the Barbasol Championship. I think that's in Auburn, Alabama, that same weekend. But we still have, what is that, three, four weeks to go before the Open Championship for all of our golfer friends now to some college football news and the former head football coach of the missouri tigers gary pinkle is again receiving treatment for non-hodgkin lymphoma after a recurrence of the cancer he said he relayed this to kmiz tv on sunday the 67 year old was first diagnosed with the disease in may 2015 and had to retire after the season that fall he said a year later the cancer was in remission but it now requires treatment once more He says he's doing good. He got treatment again for the first time in four years. The cancer came out of remission, and so I had treatment last month. I'm doing fine. That from Gary Pinkle, who coached Missouri to 10 bowl appearances and 15 seasons and led Mizzou during the school's move from the Big 12 to the SEC back in 2012. Remember, this is a guy that took the Missouri Tigers to the SEC championship two straight years, something that Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and the Texas A&M Aggies, who are relatively new themselves, and the Mississippi Rebel Landsharks have never done. And Missouri's head coach took them there twice in only seven years in the conference. Not a bad feat for M-I-Z-Z-O-U. Now to Athens, and Georgia has dismissed junior Jeremiah Holloman, the Bulldogs' top returning wide receiver from 2018, after he admitted to university police that he punched his then-girlfriend, during an incident more than a year ago. And according to the police incident report, Holloman wrote in a statement to police that he struck his then-girlfriend in the face above a right eye, and that occurred in Holloman's dorm room around 4 a.m. on April 22nd of 2018, just hours after UGA's spring game. And now this talented wide receiver, Holloman, for the Georgia Bulldogs, he is out of the program, dismissed from Athens, Georgia. Now, this isn't necessarily about a Southern team, but it will have after effects if this indeed plays out as expected. The University of Connecticut is expected to leave the American Athletic Conference. That's the conference that has the Memphis Tigers, the UCF Knights, two lanes in there, SMU, and a bunch of really powerful Southern schools. It's sort of one notch under the the Power Five, but the American Athletic Conference has had some great success over the last few years. And UConn, with its football program as well as its historic basketball program, has been a good coup to have UConn, a basketball powerhouse, especially from the women's side nowadays, a part of the AAC. But it looks like UConn is going to leave the American at the altar and return to the Big East Conference for basketball and other sports in 2020. And although nothing is official right now, an announcement about UConn going to the Big East is expected early this week. The UConn Board of Trustees has not yet voted on the move, but approval is expected even with UConn set to change presidents in August. And this will be a damaging blow to the sports like basketball and the AAC that really have been a good thing to have UConn as part of the conference, even though they're geographically kind of out of whack 
with a lot of the AAC, this could be really tough. And would this lead to more conference realignment in a big way? We will see. Remember the madness seven years ago with all the teams switching conferences and realignment? It, it, it got kind of crazy there for a while. Well, it's not getting crazy in Omaha, Nebraska, because we have the College World Series final starting tonight on ESPN. And congratulations to the Yankees. The Michigan Wolverines will be playing in the College World Series finals for the first time since 1962, which just happens to be the last time the Wolverines won a national championship in college baseball. And Michigan, which started its season Back in February at Joe Riley Park in Charleston, South Carolina, taking on the Citadel Bulldogs, a tiny school in a tiny conference. Michigan didn't let that bother them. They played that game. They played out the rest of the season. How many people want to go play college basketball, uh, college baseball in Ann Arbor, Michigan? Well, evidently a lot because they're moving on to the championship series against the SEC's Vanderbilt Commodores. Vanderbilt picked up the win over Louisville on Friday. Michigan got the win over Texas Tech, and now those two teams face off in the CWS Finals. First game set for a 7 p.m. first pitch Eastern time, and that's 6 o'clock in Omaha from TD Ameritrade Park. Game two is set to take place Tuesday at the same time, and game three, if necessary, will be Wednesday. It's Michigan and the Vanderbilt Commodores, the Vandy Boys out of the SEC in the CWS Finals, and we'll have all the info on that moving forward this week and that is a look at all the sports happenings here and a friendly nod that we'll have our sports land yap on tuesday show with more omaha news but all kinds of other sports news that's coming your way in addition to barbecue talk when we come back jerry short will be on the teller of tales from takapola you don't want to miss it this is y'all Celebrate Sizzling Sprint Weekend with amazing savings at your local Sprint store June 28th, 29th, and 30th. Now for a limited time, when you switch to Sprint, we'll cover your switching fees up to $650 per line with a prepaid MasterCard. That's right, up to $650 per line. It's our way of giving you a clean slate so you can make the switch to Sprint. Plus, this weekend only, when you switch to Sprint, you'll get $100 via prepaid MasterCard for each new phone you lease. The more lines you switch, the more savings you'll get. There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint. Stop by your local Sprint store during Sizzling Sprint Weekend, June 28th, 29th, and 30th to learn more and check out other great deals. Less required phone trading credit provided online registration and new phone activation. Amount based on early termination fee charge or remaining phone balance. Requires port online registration and 60 days of service before card ships. Card terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Member FDIC. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. And now for an important announcement. Do you or does someone you know sweat the bed? Do you ever wake up feeling like you've been sleeping on a slip and slide? Sweating the bed is a serious but common problem that affects your sleep, health, and happiness. Plus, it's just plain gross. But it's not you. It's your mattress. Fortunately, there is a cure. It's called Purple. Purple is the only mattress with a scientifically engineered smart comfort grid. This patented technology is designed to let air flow freely, so you sleep cool. Side effects of sleeping on Purple include sleeping better, feeling better, and, well, honestly, smelling better. 
Try the Purple Mattress risk-free for 100 nights and never sweat the bed again. Now you can pick your own free product with mattress purchase by texting TRY to 84888. Become a Purple VIP and be the first to know about deals by texting TRY to 84888. That's T-R-Y to 84888. Y'all continuing on on this Monday edition. Welcome back. It is the show that is all about Dixie. And we're talking about the South with our storyteller, the Takapola storyteller, back with us, Jerry Short. And Jerry, all last week we were traveling across the state of South Carolina. Sorry we couldn't pack you up and take you along with us. You and South Carolina have a lot in common, you know. Well, I know. I would have enjoyed it. I think there was a lot going on in South Carolina last week also. Yeah, but a lot of political stuff. that We're going to get a lot of that, by the way, tomorrow on the Y'all Show. If you didn't tune in or if you haven't tuned in yet, a lot of the presidential candidates on the Democratic side found themselves in South Carolina this past weekend. I know they had a big event in Columbia, which is where we spent a couple of days last right. week. And we'll play some of the audio from what all went on in downtown Columbia on our Tuesday political spotlight. Jerry, but that opens up a good segue here with you sir because mm. i'm traveling all over south carolina but lo and behold takapola and the rest of the magnolia state was on the country's mind a lot last week with some news stories that broke nationwide one was about jim eastland now 90 percent of the audience underneath the age of 50 have never heard of senator jim eastland and Absolutely. the other story was something that came out late on friday with the supreme court so as we talk to you, Mr. Takapola, today, we're going to have you put on your political reporter hat and weigh in on what the world happened with Jim Eastland and also with our nation's Supreme Court ruling on Friday. We'll start out first with the Jim Eastland, and this ties into a guy running for president, Joe Biden. Jerry, fill us in, sir. Well, you know, I kept up with it somewhat in, in somewhat life. Uh, my life has kind of kept up with it, but... You know, I never thought I would ever defend Joe Biden. And I never thought I would be on the same page with Joe Biden. But they accused Joe Biden of cooperating and working too closely with Southern Democrat segregationists. Now, hold, they, hold on. Who is they? Who is accusing him? They being the uh, media that we can call the media, the crooked media, the Sorry, media, the, the un, undesirable media, uh, all the media except uh, us, <laughs> just about. But it was a lot of media that, that struck hard at uh, uh, Senator Biden for his roles that he played after he was elected. And I don't think he was elected until uh, 73 or four. And uh, he had to deal with the, the Southern Democrats who were all Democrats 
uh, all our senators, all our representatives, all our governors were Democrats because they had to be to get elected. Even if they didn't want to be, if you were not a Democrat, you could not get elected in a Southern state. And so they kept that, uh, that mantle on them for a long time because so many of the voters in those day, in that day and time were what we refer to as yellow dog Democrats. And so if you did not play along, you would not get elected. And, you know, a few of those elections happened in my state of Mississippi that went the other way because some Republican, the first one, Gil Carmichael, I remember, he didn't play along. And you William Winters, who are just absolute the most liberal Democrats in the world, would get elected governor or get or to some position or have too much control. So, you know, I'm going to say that uh, Senator Biden, he caught a lot of slack that he sh- probably should not have caught because if you're going to work in Congress, Washington, the swamp, you had to go along with each other somewhat. And it would have been impossible to have gotten anything accomplished because the Southern uh, senators, had, they, they had so much. Well, today, I guess, you know, in college, you'd call it, it they, 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 what are they, what's the word for college when you, uh, you got, uh, you got um, tenure? I guess you would have said the same thing about a politician in those days. A senator would have had tenure because a Democratic senator, like the ones, you know, I'll, I'll refer to the ones in Mississippi more, but the ones like, uh, Stennis, Jim uh, Stennis, and and then of course Eastland, John Eastland, John O. Eastland. That they really gave fits. They'd been they'd been doggone uh, senators before Biden was even born. So when Biden goes into uh, the swamp, uh, he's got to work with them because Jim Eastland was known as the voice of the South and the spokesman for the South. And then you take Eastland. Eastland was also, uh, you know, I, he, he was, he was, what was he on judicial committee, uh, committee? I think he was over that. S- Senator Stennis, because he helped me in the military by saying some things that he helped me with, but he was over the armed services committee and those guys had lots of power and you had to work with them. So I'm on, I'm going to say that, uh, Joe Biden and any, anybody else in his position, uh, you know, would not have done anything else but that because that was required. I think I saw where Joe Biden had written a book and in it somewhere he put that, uh, Senator Eastland told him he, when he first got uh, to Washington, he said, well, you know, we're going to be working together, but however, even though we're working together, I understand you may be the youngest, uh, Democratic senator ever elected. And he said, and if you don't work with us right, you'll be the youngest Democratic senator ever not reelected. So, you know, it was it was like you didn't have a choice. And that worked for us, too, later, as it does today, really. So uh, but I, I go along with that. And Eastland, Eastland was hardcore. And, you know, and I'd have to say that Eastland was a segregationist because I've heard film and I've seen him in person. And he spoke it, and Ole Miss had a football player that was really popular in those days, 
Archie Manning. And uh, I think I've heard of him. You probably heard of him. He had two sons that played, and he's got a grandson that's coming on. They say, but t- anyway, here's from Drew, Mississippi, a small Mississippi Delta dusty town, and uh, Eastland uh, lived in Dodgeville, which is just up the road, or just down the road, I guess you'd say. So uh, he knew him, and when when Archie was uh, drafted, he was drafted number two, and he was number three in a Heisman vote. He broke his arm at senior year, so that was still pretty good to finish third in um, his senior year, and he'd finished uh, third or second his uh, his junior year also. So Jim Eastland, and he let that wild Southern uh, – politician out at Archie Manning Day, uh, February the 27th of 71. I remember that because we had a tornado that day. But anyway, I went to it and we, we gave Archie uh, a boat, and a, we gave a ski boat, and we gave Archie a, uh, a Lincoln Continental convertible. After signing, being the second pick in the draft and going to the New Orleans Saints, mm-hmm. As a quarterback to be starting the first year, so Eastland got up and he he just let it fly. And you know, if I hadn't known better, and I don't know better, I would have said he was drinking pretty heavy when he was talking. But he cut down everything in Washington, everything in the country, and talked about how Archie Manning would have got to Heisman, and you know, if it hadn't been for him being from Mississippi in the South. And he would have been doing so if he hadn't been from Mississippi in the South. And how many times the University of Mississippi didn't win something because they were in the South. And he just rolled on. And, and you know, to be fair, he was probably friends with uh, the Manning family because uh, Archie's daddy was in implement sales. And and I think he had a case, uh, case uh, implement place that he sold in. And Jim Eastland, he had about 2,000-acre farm that, uh, of course, he would have it in layback. He got that done through Congress. So, you know, Eastland was not the greatest guy in the world. And then you come back to Thad Cochran later and all those kind of people. And as I was going to say, I went to uh, Ronald Reagan when he kicked off his campaign. He was on a stage in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And he was up there with uh, John Bell Williams, who was the governor of Mississippi, a known segregationist. He was up there with Trent Lott, who later become majority leader. And uh, he actually lost, he really lost his majority leader uh, position because he went to a South Carolinian, Carolinian uh, 100th birthday. And spoke well of him when he ran for president in 48, I believe it was, with the Dixiecrats. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trent Lott said, uh, you know, I think we would have, you would have done a great job. And we might not have all these problems we have today if you'd have been elected president with the Dixiecrats. So there's a, there's a man that they worked with in Congress. Every one of the Democrats, he changed from a Democrat to a Republican about the time Reagan came in and he helped Reagan a heck of a lot. But, um, you know, those things like that, 
you just can't put all that weight on Biden. And, and he's been, he's been, he's been drug across the coals by his own people, you know, Kamala Harris and, uh, people like that are just blasting him and, uh, saying that he owes apologies and stuff like that, you know? And so that's the kind of stuff I've been keeping up with on it. And, and, and bringing back a topic that we talked about some last week, uh, when we talked about how did the press and the media kind of blame the South, tried to align us with Democrats and, and, and go all the way back to Andrew Jackson days before the Civil War, even any Democrat is a, to the media today is a racist, a hardcore segregationist and fighting them in every corner, tooth and nail. And that's not true. And they, they bring that up every time. And, and it was our kind of people that we thought, that we, as we discussed last week, we thought it was some of our kind of people that were really down home with us and could align with us and see things kind of, kind of, you know, kind of fair, kind of right. But obviously they're turning and they're turning against us. And anything that's said or done out of line uh, to them, their thought of, and their belief is the South and we're racist and we're this and that. And they can take any line or any sentence or one word and turn it against us. And they've been doing it for a long time. And we've sat back and hadn't done anything about it. And I think this is a perfect example of what we've seen with uh, Joe Biden. Yeah. Well, you know, Jerry, I want to point out, you are a white Southern male. I correct. am also a white Southern male. This argument with Joe Biden isn't necessarily about white Southern men because he's not from no. the South, but it's also not just a Democrat accusing people and going after the white Southern male legacy here in the South. It was more last week when we were talking how conservative media bashes the southeast many of which are white males not necessarily southern and that's right this whole joe biden thing kind of broke after we reported on that last week so it it cuts all kinds of ways it's not just an attack on white southern men it's attack on all southerners is what we're getting at here today i think you're right and uh and when they when they say it they broad brushes you know we're all the same, no matter how we felt or how we thought 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago, it comes back to today's time that we're what they want us to, what they want to claim we are. And we don't, we don't get a break, but if something happens on them 20 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, it's nothing ever said, nothing ever brought up. It, it's they're off the hook immediately. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely a situation, and you know they'll pick. All of a sudden, you'll be a Nazi, and they don't even heck know what Nazi is half the time. Or they'll be, uh, say, June seventeenth. Uh, that was just the other day, and uh, but they, what's the proper name for it? Well, uh, it's called June Juneteenth because nobody really knows the day that it actually yeah. happened. I know it, and so. It happened somewhere on the Galveston Bay, I believe. And uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that on the radio the other day. 
and a guy was saying happy Juneteenth Day. And then another one asked him, well, what is Juneteenth? And he didn't know. <laughs> he said, well, I, it's it, it's a holiday. It's on the map. It's on the calendar. Well, yeah, you can put anything on the calendar. But, I mean, you know, they're going to do that. But if it was for us, no way, you know. Well, I'll defend us. Juneteenth to some degree because at least it happened here in the South. Jerry, I think one thing that a lot of people don't have any clue because – People like me, under age fifty, I will admit I'm under age fifty. It's hard to fa- it's hard to fathom this, but and this is really again, if we're going to be attacking anybody, it's conservatives out there who easily pull up the whole "Hey, all the Democrats were racist and terrible people." And, and if you don't yeah. believe me, just go back and look in the history books. Well, let me just remind all y'all, Jerry, and I need you to give me the facts because you were alive. I was not. The Republican Party was essentially non-existent in all of the South from, let's say, 1861 to 1980. Well, you're absolutely right. And I can I can tell you an example. Uh, I was living in a town of 4,000 people. I knew of one Republican in the whole town of 4,000 people, and he was a postmaster. So I, I feel like he was appointed to his postmaster job because he owned a, a, a department store. Uh, ben Franklin, if some of you out there remember Ben Franklin's, he owned one of those. So he didn't need the money at all because he made a lot of money. But he was the postmaster, and I feel like Ike Eisenhower probably got that done with the, you know the Republicans were in charge. But we would go by as kids. Now I was a kid then, thank goodness. We'd go by and we'd say, "That man, uh, uh, he's uh, he he's a Republican. That guy's a Republican." <laughs> and you'd say it quiet, you know, and and so we kept that really quiet. Paul Parker, Paul Parker's a Republican. Could be, could be, you know, but it was, and that's how that's how things were in those days, as you just you just said. There was no Republicans around. You didn't even think a Republican. It was just, it was really unusual. And, uh, when, uh, uh, we went Republican as a family when John Kennedy was elected. And, uh, I don't know why. I just know that my family turned Republican in 1961. Uh, so anyway, you know, those things happen. You change, but our politicians couldn't change because they couldn't be elected. And uh, because of, you know, I had trouble with my grandmother and Jimmy Carter. Now you take Jimmy Carter, a Democrat from Plains, Georgia. He, he has worked in a many a session, I'm sure, with some Democrats that they would label uh, segregationists. You know, he worked with, there were segregationists in, in Georgia. There were segregationists in North Carolina, South Carolina, and all over the South because they were Democrats. They and, and they didn't some of them didn't fight it really hard but they were against some things that congress was trying to get out it might have been food stamps it might have been something a little bit stronger a lot of it was busing because i believe uh joe biden was against busing and uh he did not vote for busing so you know there's some things that he did that they're mad at also that kind of went along it might have been because he had a meeting with eastland 
or Stennis or somebody like that or, 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 or Storm Thurman. You know, obviously he was, they were all right there in the same boat. So anyway, that's my thought on it. And, and, uh, if you've got anything to add to uh, what I've said or, or disapprove of something I've said, I just, I've just kind of lit up because, uh, I just felt like they did, they did the guy wrong because they're scared. And I feel like they don't want him to be their nominee. And I think they'll fight him all the way. Well, let's remember you mentioned Jimmy Carter. One of the other senators mentioned in Joe Biden's comments from the other day was Senator Herman Talmadge of Georgia, Georgia. who served as a senator for the Peach State from 1957 to 1981. So without a doubt, during the Jimmy Carter years, but during that time also working alongside a young guy named Joe Biden. And sure enough, Herman Talmadge, known as a staunch segregationist, but served in the Democratic Senate and more, and he was a native of, of McRae, Georgia, and Telfair County in South Central Georgia, and lived all the way until he died in 2002. But that was Good. another name lumped in with Jim Eastland of Mississippi last week with Joe Biden's comments. Yeah, they had Jim Eastland, and you know, they had, there was a lot of them. It, it, they threw their names in there, but it seemed like Eastland and uh, and and. Uh, Storm Thurman somewhat were the two that they hit on the hardest. And they were easy targets. You know, just saying that Dixiecrat party, I guess, was enough for, for them to hit on it. And a lot of those uh, left-wing uh, newspapers and magazines from New York and the New Yorker and the Washington Times and things like that, they really, they really got on them. And – you know, we had a few people like Lou Dobbs would defend them a little bit. And, uh, of course, Hannity would defend a little bit. But nobody really defended like they should because everybody's just scared they'll be called a racist. And uh, it, that don't mean you are one. But that means you may be called one if they don't like your position that you've taken. So, uh, you know, I, w- I, would, uh, I would stand up for end up for a lot of people for a lot of reasons and no they're not racist just because maybe 40 years ago they voted one way and that's not right well jerry here's one factoid about governor slash u.s senator talmage of georgia when he was the governor of georgia he was known for his opposition to civil rights and he ordered schools to be closed rather than be desegregated rather than yeah. desegregated i guess well, I mean, we had that with all the forefathers in uh, Little Rock. And we had that with Barnett at Ole Miss. And we had it somewhat with George Wallace at the University of Alabama. I always think that was kind of a put-up-front kind of. Mm-hmm. But something he had to do politically. And uh, so, I mean, we had it all over the South in those days. Since you say, you know, you're such a young man and, Boy, that sounds good. <laughs> I wish I could wish I could get back and have a few of your years back. But uh anyway, you weren't around to see it and and all we had was Walter Cronkite and and a few other reporters that would uh report, but they they weren't biased sounding. Yeah. You know, they may have been biased internally, but they told us as it was and as as it was happening. So we was able to draw our own conclusions. 
and opinions to whatever was going on. And uh, I feel like that's what we did, and that's how it turned out. And, you know, that's why that the Democratic uh, candidates changed to Republican candidates because they couldn't get elected any other way. And uh, they did, and they and for some reason they got a lot of power. Trent Lott had as much power as anybody. Bad Cochran ran against him that second time for uh, – um, Speaker of the House, or Majority Leader. And, uh, you know, and they were like one vote separating them, I believe, if I remember right. And Thad Cochran was from Mississippi, a senator. And they were both uh, from the same college, and they both had the same positions at that college. They were both cheerleaders, and obviously they were in law school. So, you know, a lot of stuff was a lot of water under the bridge, but a lot of things happened. It couldn't be avoided, and uh, they happened. So when is the statute of limitations over with? Never. Never on the Y'all Show. Jerry, we're not done talking in politics with you. When we come back after the break, boy, oh, boy, not only did we have the whole issue going on with the senators from the long-gone South in the news with Joe Biden, but some news broke on Friday from the U.S. Supreme Court And Jerry Short, our own Jerry Short, had a direct connection to the ruling. And we'll get his take on that and find out what in the world it's all about. That's up next as we close up this Monday show, Talk with a Southern Accent. I can't believe it. That Philip brought his little brother on our mission into orbit. How long until we get there? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? No, 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 Don't touch that. Believe it. GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. Right now, you can get 500 business cards personalized the way you want them, starting at just $9.99. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So own the now with 500 custom business cards, starting at $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 3232. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 3232. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. And now for an important announcement. Do you or does someone you know sweat the bed? Do you ever wake up feeling like you've been sleeping on a slip and slide? Sweating the bed is a serious but common problem that affects your sleep, health, and happiness. Plus, it's just plain gross. But it's not you. It's your mattress. Fortunately, there is a cure. It's called Purple. Purple is the only mattress with a scientifically engineered smart comfort grid. This patented technology is designed to let air flow freely, so you sleep cool. Side effects of sleeping on Purple include sleeping better, feeling better, and, well, honestly, smelling better. Try the Purple mattress risk-free for 100 nights and never sweat the bed again. Now you can pick your own free product with mattress purchase by texting TRY to 84888. Become a Purple VIP and be the first to know about deals by texting TRY to 84888. That's T-R-Y to 84888. I wish I 
was a catfish swimming in the deep blue sea. I have all you pretty women now. I went to my, to my baby's house Well, I sat right down on a stair She said, come on in, I had accused my I just not left It's y'all talk with a southern accent as we conclude our Monday edition We have the teller of tales from Takapola Way, Jerry Short here and Jerry, we've already been talking a lot of political stuff with you, but we're not quite done. As we wrap up, we want to go back to Friday. News broke from the U.S. Supreme Court about a ruling involving the area known as Winona, Mississippi, Montgomery County. Jerry, fill us in with that, if you don't mind, and, and how this connects to you. Well, I know it. sometimes people think I'm uh, related to uh, Forrest Gump. I think you might be. Like- it seems like I have a connection to a lot of things occasionally. And uh, the Supreme Court ruled on a, a murder, and we don't know, you know, it's, it, they've had six trials on this murder case. And I knew pretty well I knew the lady that owned the store. It was a tarty, uh, uh furniture store, tardy furniture store in Winona, Mississippi. And it was four people killed and murdered there and they were all shot in the head and one of them was a 16 year old boy one of them was a uh the secretary and bookkeeper from miss tardy and the other one was another worker that helped load and work and and sell and um they had another young man that uh had worked there uh previously about um about two weeks before this murder happened. But uh, what I was going to uh, throw in, I had a young, uh, I had an older gentleman who was a, a really a nice older guy. And he, he was helping me as my yard man. And as he, uh, as he was working, work, my daughter was getting married that year. So he had a lot of work to do around the house and the fencing and the, yard work and all this and he was trying to tell me stuff and i never could really i was busy doing other things but he told me that he had uh a member of his family that uh he said was kind of kind of out there and had uh they they were looking for some shoes and his family members they couldn't find the shoes well i didn't think anything about all that that was just kind of normal stuff but we were talking I would take him home. I lived on a road. It used to be a poorhouse. We had poorhouses in the south. And he lived on poorhouse road. And the family lived on poorhouse road. But I would take, Mar Stinson was a young, was the older gentleman's name. I would take him home and uh, pick him up in the morning. You know, I lived 20 miles from where he lived or 25 by the time you got him home. But he was always trying to, just trying to look like lead me somewhere, but I never followed properly. So I thought everything was under control. Well, 
they finally they came up and they arrested the guy. And uh, the Supreme Court, that's what they ruled on. This was his sixth trial. So on his sixth trial, he was found guilty. And uh, not necessarily by a, a, a jury of his peers, but the best jury they could put together. And uh, he was found guilty. And he'd been on death row at Parchman, Mississippi Penitentiary, for a few years since the sixth trial. Well, it went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, by a vote of seven to two, they uh, they found, they overturned the Mississippi verdict uh, by the DA who had prosecuted. He had prosecuted this this case six times, and it happened in ninety ninety five or ninety six. So it's still going on. It's going to go on for twenty four years if they have another trial, which they will have. Because the Supreme Court, they ruled that, that that other trial, they threw it out. The last one, the sixth one, they put him on death row because they said the district attorney was, uh, he was using all whites on the jury and he was a racist for doing that. And they went back and they studied all, all, all the different trials. And he had had two mistrials and he had had three trials that he'd been found guilty that was overturned by the Supreme Court, Mississippi Supreme Court, for the same reason that they said that he did not have enough Afro-Americans on the jury because it was an African-American defendant. So is this thing, it was happened to be all four white people that were uh, killed in, in, this, in this furniture store. So the, they were found one morning. Uh, the evidence really, it's, it's a little vague. I don't know everything. I hadn't really kept up with it because I thought it was on, on death row and it would be handled, uh, legally, but, uh, it got, it got to the Supreme Court and it got turned over. And, uh, the two descending people, one of them was Clarence Thomas of all people. And, uh, he, he wrote the decision on it and he, he didn't, he didn't think the guys was a racist that was picking the jury and a jury had been picked by the same district attorney. But, uh, I've heard stuff on radio stations away from here that they throw it back at the South and they throw it back at us because that's what we do. And that's what we've been getting away with for 150 years. So it's gone. It's, it's come down to now. They found those shoes for the first trial. They had blood on them that matched blood of the four victims. So they've got that. And I knew that they were looking for shoes. And I guess I should have come forward with that. But after the first trial, I thought I just, you know, you would think it was completely over with. However, it wasn't. So we, we go through a t- second trial and you say, then I'm talking to people and they say, this thing's in the fourth trial. And I say, it's no way, but it was. So like I said, it got to the sixth one. Now we're going to probably have a seventh one, which I think will be an all-time record where uh, one state and one DA has prosecuted someone for capital murder. And, uh, so that, that's what I knew about it. And, and, and them being able to, the Supreme Court with Kavanaugh, 
he was pretty hardcore. He called this district attorney in Mississippi who lives in Grenada, but that's his district, Montgomery County, Winona. And they do have a population of a little bit over 50% uh, Afro-Americans. So, but they couldn't get them on the jury. One jury had 44 and uh, they, 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 they only could seat one Afro-American out of 44. Mm. So they had 43 whites and 44. That's all it, you know, you know, you can pick and choose your jury, the prosecutor and, 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 and the defendants. They have the prosecutor, they have that choice. But there's so many you can throw out and you can't throw out. But a lot of people can get thrown out for just anything just because they don't want to be on a jury. So I guess, you know, with the Supreme, this going all the way to the Supreme Court, which was highly unusual. And, uh, and like I said, I, you know, I know a little bit about it. I don't know if Marsh is still alive or not because you, we're going back to 96, you know, and that's a long time ago. And this thing has been going on and rocking on that long and for it to get to the Supreme Court. And here the South is again, and we're slandered and we're talked bad about and we're blamed. And now that we've got a district attorney, as far as I know, he's never had a problem before with anything like this. Because, listen, there's those things happen here a lot in this area. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, and this is not racial or anything, but I personally know 34 people that have been killed in cold blood by Afro-Americans. And a word has never been said. Sometimes it's not even heard in the next county. So victims all leave. victims white. Every victim was white. Okay, and I knew him personally. And I'm Every not saying that it doesn't happen the other way, but it, I'm not saying that. But I don't know of any. Okay. But it could happen the other way. You know, we've got one case now where a white guy shot a black guy in the back of the head, and the black guy hasn't died. But they say if he does. The white guy, and they claim to be friends, this black guy and the white guy. Hmm. But they say he will be, and it's in the same area, but not the same DA. But they say he will be prosecuted for uh, first-degree murder. Well, if if you want to learn more about this case, it was Flowers versus Mississippi in the U.S. Supreme Court. And the headline, the Supreme Court's Curtis Flowers decision is a blow to racial discrimination. It's also a warning that out from multiple sources. Jerry Shorts, appreciate your knowledge of this and the other political happenings of the Magnolia State, sir. I hope we can talk about more pleasant things next time, but that happened to be on the agenda, and uh, and uh, we got through it, and that's life as we see it today, and Things need to be kind of turned around a little bit, I think. But uh, thank you, John, for your time. All right, Jerry Short, everybody. Well, that will conclude our show today. Thank you all for being a part of y'all. We'll be right back here on Tuesday with Barbecue Talk and a whole lot more good stuff. And we'll also give you the latest from the College World Series as the World Series begins with Michigan and Vanderbilt tonight. All that right here on Y'all with John Thanks for listening. Celebrate Sizzling Sprint Weekend with amazing savings. Now, for a limited time, when you switch to Sprint, we'll cover your switching fees up to $650 per line with a prepaid MasterCard. 
That's right, up to $650 per line. It's our way of giving you a clean slate so you can make the switch to Sprint. Plus, for a limited time, you can pick up an iPad on us when you lease a new iPhone. It's an unrivaled pair. Get both and save big when you switch to Sprint. Stop by your local Sprint store during Sizzling Sprint Weekend, June 28th, 29th, and 30th to learn more. That's June 28th, 29th, and 30th at Sprint. Less required phone trading credit provided after online registration and new phone activation. Amount based on early termination fee charge or remaining phone balance. Card terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Member FDIC, iPad 6, Gen 32, gigabyte, $0 per month after 1917 monthly credit for 24 months. Credit apply within two bills. Requires new line on qualifying plan. If you cancel early, remaining balance due. Tax due at sale. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council.